There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun. It's our weekly podcast featuring in-depth interviews with experts from AccuWeather and from around the world. Bringing you behind-the-scenes information, stories, and news on the weather, climate change, and the outdoors. Covering topics from the worlds of science, sports, and space. It's all the information you need to weatherproof your life. And now, here's the host of Everything Under the Sun, AccuWeather meteorologist, Dean DeVore. And friends, welcome into Episode 7 of our fall series here in 2021 of Everything Under the Sun. Good to have you with us as we uh, take a look at this upcoming weekend. We've uh, seen a big, potent storm exit the Pacific Northwest, a huge storm in the middle of the country, and a renewed wintry feel for the folks in the Great Lakes and in the Northeast here over the next several days, opening up the potential for lake effect snows and problems as we go through the weekend and the week beyond. Jake Soja, our AccuWeather meteorologist who's from the Great Lakes and the areas up in New York State that see a lot of lake effects snow will be by to talk about the weather for the upcoming week and the week beyond in our final segment. But in our first rays of focus, it's getting to be that time. Our first winter holiday is on the way. As Thanksgiving looms in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk with our friends at AAA about holiday travel and some other topics about driving and traveling. That's coming up next. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. By their accounts, millions will be on the roads and through the air coming up on the Thanksgiving Day holiday. It's always a good time to check in with our friend Andrew Gross, national spokesman from AAA, about the travel concerns for the upcoming holiday and other aspects of travel that are being measured. Are you traveling and driving more safely now? Is your car set up for safety? Let's talk to Andy Gross from AAA here on Everything Under the Sun. All right, Andy, good to talk to you again. Here we go. Just a couple of weeks away from Thanksgiving towards the end of our visit. We'll talk about some of the uh, thoughts about Thanksgiving travel that AAA has, gas prices and everything else. Andy already wanted me to give a, a Thanksgiving forecast here for the weather and see who would have good travel or not at Thanksgiving. And I told him we're still a couple of weeks away. So we do know that uh, we've been living on borrowed time for wintry weather and bad weather, especially in the Great Lakes and Northeast. We've had some some minor episodes starting to come into play here, but I think the next couple of weeks we're going to see more uh, doses of um, lake effect and and just general snow. Could be a, a rough weekend up in parts of the northern plains with some snow as well. So we're getting into that time of the year. Um, one thing that I wanted to talk to you, Andy, first about was a study that I saw that you know, and, it, and it's near and dear to my heart because I just bought a vehicle, a, a hybrid uh, Tucson uh, that has uh, all of the bells and whistles in terms of almost letting it drive it itself with sensors and keeping on the road. And I think now as that's becoming more and more of something that people are dealing with and, and having in their cars, even with not necessarily having a car that they buy all the bells and whistles, a lot of these bells and whistles are coming with the standard versions that the efficacy of those sensors, those cameras, you know, have been, uh, I know sometimes early on in the life cycle of 
them. There's been some questions about them. And now as they're getting better, there's still some questions about how effective they are in certain conditions. And one of the, the conditions we're seeing is problems with the inclement weather and especially rain on those sensors. So it kind of leads people to maybe want to think a little bit more carefully about relying too much on those when the weather's not so nice. Yeah, at AAA, you know, we are very well aware that a lot of these newer cars coming out are equipped with all sorts of really great sounding safety features like automatic emergency braking and lane keeping assistance. But we also are aware that when manufacturers test these vehicles, it's often on a closed course on a sunny day. And so, of course, everything is going to work great. So we thought, what happens in a real world situation like rain? Do these cameras, do these sensors still see the road, see the surrounding environment around you? Are they able to detect the lane markers in the rain? So that's what we set out to do. And unfortunately, we found that in a good steady rain, these systems do not always see what's in front of you. Uh, and they don't they don't work as advertised. So for instance, uh, when it comes to the emergency braking system, at the 25 mile speed, the system failed 17% of the time and our test vehicle collided with a stop obstacle. At 35 miles an hour, the system failed 33% of the time. So you can see it already gone up. Now that's right. as high as we're able to test it at, but you can imagine that if it failed 33% of the time at 35, what would happen if you're going 65 miles an hour? You could be easily failing in the 70% of the time. So this is all a reminder to folks that when you've got these fancy systems on your cars, it's no excuse for not still paying attention. And if it starts to rain, realize then your car's ability to sort of see the surrounding environment around you, other cars, vehicles, lane markers, that is degraded. And that's that's harder for the vehicle to see. So that's where your instincts and your knowledge have to kind of take over. The other thing that I've noticed with that in my vehicle is a lot has to do with the way the roads are marked. Now, I've been noticing here where we live in central Pennsylvania, they've been starting to take more pains about actually marking out exits. Let me let me say it this way. The way they used to do it is the lane marking wasn't as, as clear where the exit was and where the road was joining that exit. And, and sometimes I know my car would veer a little bit to the right here if I was not paying attention. But I've also been seeing that highway departments, at least in Pennsylvania, are doing better where they're actually putting those dotted lines all the way to the beginning of the exit so that there's something for the car to sense. Is that... Uh, something in your research or do we know is that kind of a, a, a talking point among highway uh, systems to start doing that? Well, I'm glad they're doing that in Pennsylvania because I'm down here in just outside D.C. and Virginia. We just have so much road construction that the I noticed my car really has a hard time because they're constantly shifting the lanes due to construction. So they'll, they'll like shave down some of the lane markers and install new ones. But there's enough of the old lane markers that it's definitely confusing my car and my car is not quite sure like well, which lane markers are the real lane markers. And, you know, just in our tests, we showed that for the lane keeping assistance that failed in the rain, almost 70% of the time. Wow. So you could see that. Yeah. So you could see that these systems, but the branding and marketing for these systems is such that when you buy them, you sort of assume, oh, you know, what, what's the problem? These, these safety features are going to work. And that, that's when, that's when it's a coming upon all of us to remind folks, 
they don't work perfectly all the time. And particularly in the rain, that's when you still have the breast computer in the car, which is the one between your ears. I think with so much going on in our lives and so much um, things around us and so many uh, distractions with the uh, phone and internet and all that kind of stuff, it's just, it's difficult and people want to be able to rely on something, but it's, this technology is still in its early stage. And I think, as you said, you have to take it with a grain of salt. There's, there's another um, release here that you guys uh, just put out. And this goes to your uh, AAA Foundation's Traffic Safety Culture Index, or TSCI. You may see it uh, abbreviated as. And this kind of tracks how people say they're driving and if they're behaving or misbehaving. And most of the things it says here that people are doing less of, like driving 50 miles per hour over the speed limit on a freeway regularly or driving while reading a text or an email on a cell phone. Now, maybe some of that is because of increased technology where the stuff is getting read to them. I know that's what my car does. It reads my emails and texts or whatever. But uh, that part, if I, as I look at all those things that it says people are doing less of by 15, 20, 30, 40 percent, I don't know, Andy, when I've been driving the last year or two, I don't see that as much. I see still some bad behaviors. So is it people saying to us that they aren't doing it, but yet they're not doing as they say, they're just still doing as they do? I don't know. Or or maybe I'm just being oversensitive. I'm not sure. No, that's a great question because when we got these results, they were they were in line with sort of the trend line we've been seeing since 2018 in that in terms of unsafe behaviors like red light running or speeding or driving impaired or driving drowsy. Everyone says that they are, you know, they're cognizant of it, they're aware of it, their loved ones would all frown upon it if they knew that they did it. But then there's also a slight disconnect because then we come back and they say, okay, 90% of you say that speeding is bad. Uh, in the past 30 days, have you have you sped? And that's where we begin to see some flexibility in the numbers. That's where you know, like 45% of the people will say, "Yeah, I yeah I did speed in the in the past 30 days," or "Yeah, I did chat on a handheld cell phone." We get like 37% of folks say that. So that's where we begin to see there's that there's that disconnect. People know what's wrong, but they still kind of do it. But in terms of like the trend lines, fewer people are doing these activities, but enough of them are still doing that, that it's that it's problematic. And then you point out that, well, you know, look, NHTSA says that the, the number of fatalities on our roads last year went up by like 10%. We're seeing we're seeing higher numbers now in terms of fatalities than we've seen in years. I think I think the projection is something like 40,000 people maybe maybe killed on our roads. So what's the deal? If people are, are saying they're doing it right, why are so many people dying on the roads? And that's the next thing that the foundation is going to look at. They're going to examine, and they're working on that right now, the characteristics of the folks who are on the roads, as well as the characteristics of folks who stayed home. Because the suspicion is that perhaps risk takers are somewhat more overrepresented on the roads last year and the first part of this year. And I know this has always been the big issue is that the difference is in speed. So if you have one car going 50, 55 and you've got another car going 80 or 90, that big difference in speed is going to lead to problems somewhere down the road, especially if you've got multiple cars doing that that kind of difference. So, you know, it, it's, it's hard. And, and I think this ability for us to be as connected as we are in our our cars and being able to be 
part of uh, still, you know, have internet in some ways, even if you're doing it legally, there's still some distraction about listening to a, an email, especially if it's an email that's making you mad or extremely happy. And you may not be concentrating at that point right there. 27 seconds. Think about that. 27 seconds. Say you're talking on your phone, but you're not holding the phone. It's, uh, you know, hands-free. That's how long it takes for your mind to get back to focus on driving after the end of the call. 27 seconds. Wow. If you're going 65 miles an hour, think how far you've traveled in 27 seconds. Yeah. That's a long way. Yeah. It's a, well, if you're going at least 60, that's a half, a, almost a half a mile. And that's yep. pretty darn far. Anything else from that, that whole study or that whole release that you wanted to highlight about the no, survey it, there? It's good that folks are telling us that they're doing the right thing. Uh, but we still see that there are some problems, particularly with chatting on handheld phones and speeding. Those are the areas where the numbers haven't come down enough. And unfortunately, those are the two areas, you know, distraction and speed which are also the most dangerous. So those are the that, that those are the two areas we really have to concentrate on. Some of the things where we talk where people said that they, you know, hadn't done it like, you know, driving impaired, that number has really come down a great deal and driving drowsy, which is, you know, now that daylight saving has ended, that's, you know, shorter days, that's something to kind of think about. So that's uh that's a nice thing that that, that people are fewer people are driving drowsy right. Now. I think too and it goes hand in hand with the, what we talked about in that first little part too is when I feel like I have more things driving for me or helping me drive. I think sometimes that lends to me relaxing a little too much, right? And, and maybe maybe getting a little sleeper, especially as we're getting to holiday travel, which we're going to talk about here in a second. People are going to be working long days and then trying to drive to grandma's house in the middle of the night. And those are situations I think uh, you have to be very careful in. That's right. I'm glad you mentioned that driving to grandma's house in the middle of the night, because that, that is one of one of the times that, you know, AAA says, look, if you're heading to Thanksgiving and you want to avoid traffic, Wednesday night after nine o'clock is, is a good time to leave to avoid traffic. But then you could be running into some other issues, too. So we could discuss that. Well, let's get to the, yeah. Let's get to that. We're talking with Andy Gross, national spokesman from our friends at AAA, who's been joining us regularly on everything under the sun over the last year and a half, two years since we've resumed our podcast. Andy, here we go. A couple of weeks away from Thanksgiving, it looks like uh, you know again after uh, the Delta variant surge of the summer into the uh, early part of the fall, looks like uh, the pandemic, at least in the United States, is starting to ease and people are chomping the bid again to get out and about and see friends and family. And it looks like it's going to be another uh, bumper crop of travel here for the uh, Thanksgiving holiday season. You're right. It's, it's looking like it's the Thanksgiving of old. We're, we're projecting about 53 million plus folks are going to hit the road wow. or maybe are going to travel for Thanksgiving total. Sure. Uh, but 90% of them are going to hit the road. So uh, over 47 million, 48 million are going to be driving, which is not unexpected because it's a five-day period and it's Thanksgiving, which is more kind of family-oriented versus a big resort destination type of thing. But still, that's a big deal. That's a lot. We're looking at levels just a little bit below uh, 2019, which was a big peak travel year. So the, the driving is just a little bit below in terms of those numbers. Does that yep. mean that air travel is up a little bit from where it was in 2019? Uh, air travel is still a little bit below. So air, we're projecting about 4.2 million people are going to go by air this year. And in 2019, it was 4.6. But you could see we're back to, you know, that's that's within shouting distance of being back yep. to back to normal. So if you're flying, uh, we're, we're telling people, look, we don't know what airline staffing issues and TSA staffing issues are going to look are going to be like. We've seen recently it, it, there have been some issues. Keep that in the back of your mind. 
get to the airport early. If you're traveling domestic, get there two hours early. Even if you have TSA pre-check and clear, we don't know what the staffing is going to be like in the line. So don't roll in there late thinking I've got pre-check, no problem. Still get there two hours early. If you're traveling internationally, uh, make it three hours. And then the other thing is to be prepared. I mean, again, I, and I've had a couple of trips in the last year, um, airports in general, not just the airlines and the airline operations, but all of these services that are in the airport, not staffed as it was two, three years ago. Um, so you may run into things that you're expecting all these choices and food and all those uh, amenities at the airport. And again, that may not be there as well. Uh, again, I think anybody that's traveling through the air right now, still has to be worried about, you know, having opportunities to not get home when you think you're going to or not get there when you think you're going to. Um, There's still to me seeing I'm anecdotally a lot of people who are losing a day or so and some with a cancellation. And that's a reality that you got to think. And then that may be why people are more likely for moderate distances to, to pile in the car and say, hey, at least we can control our own destiny in this situation. Right. You're absolutely right. But then but then you're going to be running into that the old-fashioned traffic jam. So we're telling folks, look, if you miss traffic, you're going to love this Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. We have a lot of company on the roads. So, so, you know, like that typical travel time, the Wednesday afternoon before Thanksgiving, it's going to be crowded. So if yep. you can leave Wednesday morning, that's great. If Even better, if you can leave uh, Thursday morning, say you're not going terribly far. When we're looking at these travel numbers, we're identifying trips. And so for us, a trip is a distance of 50 miles or more. But if you're, say, you're going only 70 miles or 100 miles, then yeah, you could probably leave Thanksgiving morning and you will you will avoid a lot. Uh, also, Wednesday night before Thanksgiving is an ideal time after nine o'clock. But then that gets into the whole issue of how comfortable are you driving at night? Uh, right. You know, this, we all know this time of year, this is when deer are wandering around mm. and if it's rainy and if there's a lot of leaves on the road leaves mm. are, a, are a gorgeous unsung hazard when they're on mm. the road any bicyclist will tell you that and it's the same for your car they're slippery and it's like it, you really have to bear that in mind I guess the one thing that we can avoid, Andy, is increased prices. We know how much gas prices have come up in the last year. And, um, you know, airline prices seem pretty hefty. I just looked at a trying to look at a holiday trip possibility. And uh, I was pretty sticker shocked at some of the numbers I was seeing on the airline prices here as we looked at some travel in some places uh, over the the Christmas holidays. So prices are up both in the terms of fuel and and I think uh, just general um, staying at a hotel hotel or or uh, anything that you do on the travel side all the prices seem to be up this year yeah uh, it really depends for airline prices uh there are still deals out there it kind of depends on where you're going but we have seen compared to last year airline prices are still a little lower than they were even last year uh in terms of the pandemic but again it depends on where you're going now gasoline prices you're absolutely right the gasoline prices are like a buck 30 more than what you spent last year so do the math say you have a 15 gallon tank in your car the difference from last year to this year is a uh, is a large pizza with all the toppings every time every time you gas up right. your car it's about another 17 dollars uh, wow. more uh but compared to 2019 it's up about uh, 80 cents now the good news is that since labor day you know for a while we were seeing you know, five, six, seven cent a week increases. 
that has sort of leveled off a little bit. And actually, uh, the national average has dropped the past two days, not by much, maybe like about a penny. But at least that grinding constant upward surge has sort of leveled off a little bit. And may, that may have something to do with a lessening in demand uh, because of the shorter days. Uh, the shorter days really do. Uh, you know, when you leave work in the evening, folks, a lot of folks tend to go straight home versus tacking on side trips. So it does, uh, it, it will have an impact in terms of overall gasoline prices. If you guys like more information on these stories, where can they go, Andy, to get some more information on all these uh, topics? Come, come to the AAA News room uh aaa.newsroom and everything is all in there and also for gasoline prices if you're worried about it and you want to see say you're taking a trip that's going to go across a couple states you go to gasprices.aaa.com you can see what the average is in the state you're going to and if you click on that state you can then look at the average in the county of where you're going into wow. and then there's also a breakdown for municipalities uh, as well. We uh, appreciate the, the, your time and your efforts, Andy, to keep us informed on all of this stuff. Thank you so much for being with us here on Everything Under the Sun. Thanks. The links that Andy mentioned are in our notes section on our podcast, including that one that gets you to their newsroom, newsroom.aaa.com. Certainly, you're going to want to keep tuned to AccuWeather.com here for the travel forecast here. Uh, I know folks are starting to plan their travel even this far out, so just take a look at that every day, and we'll keep you up to date on that. We'll get a little more closer look at the weather for this upcoming weekend as folks get out and about college football Maybe some uh, late fall leaf peeping where it's still a little bit colorful, but for the most part, we're starting to feel like winter in places. Jake Soja will join me to talk about the forecast for the upcoming weekend and week beyond after this. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Plan your day with confidence and find out what the weather means for you. Join AccuWeather meteorologist Bernie Reno Monday through Friday for Weather Insider. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun as we continue this episode here in our fall series as uh, we just finished up our conversation with the AAA folks about uh, travel as we get ready. Still a week or so away from the Thanksgiving holiday and everything else, but a lot of folks uh, certainly getting out, having to rake some leaves now as we get farther into the fall. And now we're going to start to deal with some winter-like weather coming into places that haven't had a whole lot of it here in this fall situation. I'm joined now by one of our great AccuWeather meteorologists, Jake Soja, who wears a lot of different hats around the office. Uh, Jake, uh, you're an operational meteorologist. You're also one of our supervisors, and I know you run the Kudos program here mm-hmm. in uh, AccuWeather, where we try to give everybody in the operation some uh, some appreciation for all the good things that we do. I, you see it more so than others. I mean, it's just the weather every day. It seems like there's no breaks in the weather. It's busy, 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 and we're coming into a another weekend and week beyond that looks busy again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, there's been some breaks here in the fall where, you know, it's felt a little quiet, but especially working at a, you know, working where we're just looking everywhere nationally, there's always something to find, right? Like there's always something somewhere that's exciting, hazardous, people need to know about. So it never seems really quiet, right? Jake's been working this week a little bit uh, in our um, 
AccuWeather.com department writing stories and going over that. And so he's pretty well equipped to talk about this weather this week and the week beyond. Let's start out west where they're just coming off a really stormy couple of days in the Pacific Northwest. That energy is kind of dwindling a bit here as we get into the time this podcast drops on Friday. And as we get into the weekend itself, the jet streams aimed just north of Washington State and up into uh, southern parts of uh, Canada there, the British Columbia province. And so there will be some rain showers and stuff around, but not as much energy. Um, I guess the thing that we got to watch here as we go um, through the weekend, and it looks like there's at least at the beginning of the weekend the possibility of some stronger winds down south, but generally the weekend out west is pretty dry and comfortable if you go farther south from the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, certainly we've seen warm conditions in the interior southwest. Like you said, uh, some gusty winds to end the week, but um, as that jet stream lifts north, a lot of that energy lifts north with it, and and that's all that energy that kind of helps to push those offshore winds too. So as those kind of uh, let up, you know, things calm down and you're left with generally warm conditions now. It's in areas that maybe generally dry and warm isn't isn't what you like to see, you know, in terms of it is kind of wildfire season still, especially right. in Southern California. But, um, you know, as that energy lifts north, we shouldn't see the the amount of gusty winds that can that can drive fires that you sometimes see this time of year. Now, in 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 our weather world, we talk about reactions and opposite reactions. So, if the jet stream's going way up north in the west, there's usually, if almost always, a corresponding dip in the east, and we're seeing that. So, we're going to skip over the middle of the country. Those folks, unfortunately, <laughs> get flown over a lot, and yeah. we're going to fly over it right now. But we're going to come into the northeast and the Great Lakes, which is going to have a decidedly different feel. I mean, we were calling those areas Warm-tober or Octoster. We had that little dip, that little flip in those areas that very first week of November, but this second week of November leading up to this weekend, I mean, it soared again in some of these places. Uh, Almost, well, not record highs, but pretty darn warm, but things are going to change, and it's part of this kind of a hybrid howler, this big storm that's been moving up into the Great Lakes, kind of will spin around and then bring that cold part of that storm back over, and there's going to be a lot of cyclonic flow and a lot of uh, lake effect snows. I know you're a guy who grew up in New York State, so you're no stranger to lake effect, but Mm -hmm. this is kind of the first real iteration of some strong energy over lakes that are wide open and warm, and that... uh, the temperature difference in this scenario could pose some real problems in places this weekend. Yeah, we're looking at uh, lake temperatures across the Great Lakes right now that are generally um, three to five degrees above average when you look at the lakes as a whole. Wow. Um, from where they should be right now in November. And, and they're extremely and, full, too. Most of the lakes are, are, are brimming, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. And and there's even some pockets, too. Like the you look at the lake temperature off of uh, Buffalo right now, it's, it's about 10 degrees above where it should be or, wow. or what normal is for for mid-november so so some very warm lakes for this cold air to you know that difference between the warm and cold lakes is what uh, is a big driver for lake effect so what what's that temperature difference uh, about 12 13 degrees or? yeah it's about 13 degrees um in celsius celsius yes, yes. i'm sorry um, and and that's between about the surface and and about 13 to 1500 feet above you know, above the surface. So if you have that different times of temperature, that creates the uh, the, the kind of instability that you need 
uh, that cold air comes over the lake, picks up that moisture, and then as it comes over the land, squeezes it out. And uh, what, what do you think? What's your top guess? What's your, what's your storm max for some of these uh, Lee of the Lakes places here as we go over the weekend? Uh, total over the weekend. And, and it comes in fits and starts, probably. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a tricky situation when, when we're looking at lake effect this weekend because, like you said, there's a couple of rounds that we're looking at. There's one that's Saturday night um, or Friday night into kind of Saturday night. That sweeps across, and then we have a, a clipper-type low that disrupts that, and then there's another round you know, behind that into early next week. So you're going to have snow combining from each of those systems and from different lake effect events. But to answer your question, all said and done, you know, if, if we're waking up Tuesday morning, which is probably when about all this is going to wind down, I think the, the highest amounts are going to be, to my guess, they're probably going to be somewhere in the higher terrain south of Buffalo. That looks like the spot where the snow is going to be most persistent. We call that the South Towns. The or, so, yes, or the ski country. Ski country, way, the right? South Towns. Right. Um, I've heard the Southern Tier Southern as tier, well. Yep. Um, but I think that's where you're going to find you know our our storm max and it's probably just knowing the area it always seems like somewhere around there does more than you think it might so maybe like 18 or 20 inches when it's all said and done here's a little thing you know sometimes i think we go back and forth but you're right i think this is a combination of two things not only lake effect but lake enhancement Mm -hmm. so we've got the lake effect is just mainly a wind driven situation and then what we call lake enhancement is when we've got a system or a piece of energy, and we will have that with that little clipper type in the system that kind of really is that bringer of the really cold pool of air from mm-hmm. this whole system. That's going to enha- be enhanced by the, those those warm lakes. So yeah, it's uh, so yeah, I think that's about right. And um, I I know I've been warning people the last few days to make sure that they've broken out the the winter stuff because it really has been. An amazing anomalous uh, mild fall going into it. You know, we skipped over the middle of the country, Jake, but they have really good weather. It's kind of cool down in the southeast. That lobe of the, uh, the the jet stream kind of pushes all the way down into the southeast, so it's cool but fairly dry. Some uh, onshore flow showers in uh, eastern parts of Florida, but um, I would tell you what, I'd like to be in the southern plains. That looks like a good, dry, comfortable place to be here. Texas, Dallas, Oklahoma City, a good place to be this weekend. Yeah, that's certainly where you're going to find your um, your nice fall weather. Good place to get outside, whether that's uh, you know go to a weekend uh, football game or whatever that looks like for you. You know, while everybody else, or while everybody farther east is kind of uh, getting in winter mode um that's that's an area where it looks looks pretty nice so it looks like this winter like kind of pattern as you said lasting in the first couple of days next week and then starts to lift out a little bit but i think this is the beginning my friend it feels like it it looks like it in the modeling and stuff that you know all the things we started to talk about with the winter forecast i just talked to paul Passlock and the winter team uh, just looked again and they're not really making any change so the things we talked about just a few weeks ago for this winter forecast seem to be holding up so far and uh, certainly it's something we'll keep an eye on i appreciate your time mm-hmm. um Anything else you want to mention that you thought of as, as you've been writing on AccuWeather.com going into this weekend? Yeah, whenever we're looking at these lake effect situations or even these, when, when you're combining lake effect with these different um, features like clippers or anything like that, you know, you can get you can get these snow showers or so, snow squalls even farther away from the Great Lakes where 
you know, you'd call it the typical lake snow belts or anything. And We've been seeing that more, I think, in central Pennsylvania. As yeah. I've been watching the weather here for about 40 years now, I think a lot more convective, snowy, squally events that we get. And, and this will be a perfect situation where we could over the next few days yeah, uh, I think, in the weekend. I think that's going to be something for, for anybody traveling around the region to, to really be aware of, you know, especially being the first event of the season, you know, uh, it's been many months since many have a- accompanied something like that. And especially with the earlier sunsets now, it mm-hmm. uh, gets colder quicker in the evening. Jake Soja from AccuWeather, one of our great team members, joining us to talk about the weather for this upcoming weekend and the week beyond. Thanks, Jake. Yep. And that'll do it for episode number seven of our fall series. Coming up in the next couple of weeks, we'll be uh, talking about how you can adjust your exercise and workout routine coming off of uh, summer and through this warm fall in a lot of places and how to adjust that and get ready for this upcoming winter season. Also check back in with the folks who are still working hard at the UN Climate Change Conference, COP26. We'll get another recap of that when the conference is over, and we'll talk to you about the things that make it important to you with that nexus of weather and your life. You come for the weather and you stay for your life here at AccuWeather and our Everything Under the Sun podcast. For our hundreds of team members across the world who work so hard to bring you the best forecast every day, weatherproofing your life, for our executive producers Ken Prell and Andrew Robb, I'm your host, meteorologist Dean DeVore. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week on Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review Everything Under the Sun on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And of course, if you have an idea for a future podcast, just email us at AccuWeather.podcast at AccuWeather.com.